Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Welcome back, Crossover NBA Podcast. Chris Mannix, Howard Beck. What up, Beck? What up, Mannix? I like you uh, oh. doing the, uh, you got the Dirk going today with the microphone. It's great. The two fist or the kind of holding it. Dirk, oh yeah, sort of lean back a little bit. You want me to do some lean of this back. here on the Zoom? Lean back, mic in hand. I've got a whole like tripod here set up that that our podcast producers sent me. So I like I don't know why you don't have a more sophisticated setup there, Mr. Broadcast Media, master of all media platforms. I'm kind of used to this sort of feeling, right? Like holding it up, asking questions, doing things like that. I'm just uncomfortable with like the microphone being out of shot and like not in my hand. So we're going. We're going to stick with this. We'll stick with what works. All right. This has worked for me for many years. I'm going to to keep this going. But we have a lot to get to today. I want to talk about the unruliness in fans, the two LA teams, some potential issues Boston's going to have moving forward. But we are not going to do this podcast alone, Beck. We are going to bring in a guest for the entirety of the podcast, and we're going to bring in a guy that is well known in NBA circles. At least he was before he fell completely off the map. He is. The master fitness expert. He is a man who can tell the calorie count on a muffin just by sniffing it. He is the author of a brand new newsletter called Hoop Science. It's his new platform that he's going to tell us all about. He is Ken Berger. Berger, welcome back, dude. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the uh, the intro, though. I, I never agreed to be on for the entirety of the whole podcast. So I think we have well, maybe, a, maybe a bit of a... You know, disagreement off the top here, but we'll we'll, we'll work with it. Um, well, that's tough shit. Yeah, so. <laughs> I didn't I didn't disappear. I'm still here, um, and I am writing about hoop science and all the you know the training, nutrition, technology, recovery, all the things that NBA players do behind the scenes to to perform better, to try to stay healthy, prolong their careers. Um, and injuries are obviously a huge topic always in in the NBA, especially during this past. Um, sort of condensed season and the bubble season as well, and and, and now in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to to chat with you guys and and uh, get into some of those some of those topics and and kind of bounce around a little bit. It's good to be back with you guys. Where are you, Ben Berger? Like you just disappeared for like five years, man. Like you're you're running a gym. Like you're just gone, man. This is we we lost you. Well, I do have I do have a day job. Um, 
you know, so I, I do, I do run a, a, a personal training studio uh, here in New York city called max velocity fitness. It's also, we also do youth, youth sports performance training. Um, and it's a big job, but I love it. And I've got a lot of really great clients, great people. Um, you know, when you're talking about adults, just people that are trying to be healthier and happier, um, you know, look and feel better, just kind of, you know, just be better humans. And that's been, you know, hugely important, especially over these past 16 months. Um, and it was, it was a huge challenge for me because, you know, I opened my, I opened my gym back in 2016. Um, you know, and it's a lot different than having a job where, you know, every two weeks somebody deposits money in your, in your checking account, whether you did good work or bad. Um, you know, you, you would probably say most of the time my work was bad, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, now I had to figure out how to not only help people and deliver on the promise of what they were signing up for, um, but also do it in a way that, that generates money. And um, that was challenging. And then lo and behold, we hit, you know, 2020 and I have to shut down my, my gym that I built from scratch. And, you know, within t less than 24 hours after we closed down, we had our first Zoom class. Uh, we shifted to 100% online. Um, it went really well. We did lose some people, but we also gained some because everyone was losing their freaking minds um, and gaining weight and just becoming miserable during this time. So it, it was really gratifying for me to be able to help people navigate this past year plus, um, you know, keep them healthy, give them something to focus on that was positive. You know, and now, thankfully, knock on wood, it looks like we're emerging from this and, you know, things are going back to a little bit more normal. So I guess I disappeared from from Twitter, maybe I would say, um, but not from not from life itself. It's hard to go at Burger Beck when he's like helping people, you know, it's like <laughs> it makes it a little more difficult to, to go at him. He's he's trying he's trying to make people better humans. He said, and he, I can't think of a better place to start than with Chris Mannix. Although <laughs> I, that's probably a lost cause. Can you can you cut me down from sixteen Corona premieres to twelve on uh, holiday weekends? Just go, like, can we uh, just go Corona light? I guess Corona premiere. No, that's the lower one. I think. I think that's the. Well, whatever. I don't know. Mannix is basically Snoop Dogg in real life, walking around with a bucket of endless Coronas, and it doesn't matter how many he passes out, there are still six in there, probably for him. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. Um, well, welcome back, Berger. We're uh, glad to have you here, and I want to talk more about some of the stories you've written already uh, for your newsletter. Uh, but first, we, we got to talk for a minute about fan behavior here, because... That's been front and center over the last week since the NBA started to open up buildings to the masses once again. You had an incident uh, with a fan uh, and Russell Westbrook in Philadelphia where the fan poured popcorn on Westbrook's head. You had an incident in Utah with somebody using some racial language towards the family of John Morant. You had an incident in Boston where fans who have been irritated with Kyrie Irving for years now or a couple of years now one uh, threw a bottle at him, a plastic bottle at Irving after game four of that Nets Celtics series. So, Beck, I'll start with you. Like, what do you make of all this? And is there a solution here? I mean, does this need a solution or is this just a bad week and a bad look for the NBA? I'd like to think it's just a bad week and a bad look. And in some respects, it's nothing new in that, okay, there have been fans acting up in the past, right? It was only a year or two ago that there were fans banned from Utah for racially charged language uh, at, at, at minimum, maybe outright racist language directed at Russell Westbrook, if we recall. Um, we've had fans acting badly at times. What we haven't had in my memory in 24 years of covering this league is this many incidents in such a short period of time in this many different arenas. Like, that's the shocking part. It's not unique to any one market or any one arena or any one fan base, but the fact that there have been incidents in, in Boston and Utah and Washington and um, where else? I mean, like multiple New York fans spitting on Trey Young, like that many incidents in such a short time does feel like something, right? If three is a trend, four is uh, you know, a crisis, um, something. And I, I don't know, you know, Durant, Kevin Durant says, well, I know we all been cooped up for a year and people are just acting out. 
I don't even think that makes sense. Like people didn't stop. People didn't forget how to live in in society. We didn't shut down that far. We weren't literally all cooped in our houses, completely shutting out the world for a year. People were still socializing and we've been out and about for months now in various forms, maybe keeping somewhat of a distance, but the mere fact of letting people back into arenas by the thousands cannot possibly explain this. I don't know what does other than just stupidity and maybe a little bit of just coincidence and that many, that that many things have happened in such a short span, but it's alarming. And I'm not sure what the league does about it. Short of putting up like hockey style plexiglass to keep like, especially morons like that idiot in DC running on the court, which was out of all of them, maybe the most alarming. Um, I don't know what else you do. And by the way, even on that one, it reminds me, and, and Berger, you were probably there that night. Chris, you might have been there that night when the fan came running down to try to touch LeBron in the middle of a Knicks, I think it was Knicks Cavs. I don't think it was Knicks Heat. I think it was Knicks Cavs. Um, and so even that's happened before where fans have gotten way too close to the court who shouldn't be down there and close too close to the players. So it's weird. It's alarming. I, I don't, I don't know what the league does about it. Berger, what do you think? So I, I, I agree and disagree with Howard. Um, you know, I agree. It's not, it's never just one thing, but I, I do think that as a society, we have seen, we have changed as people over the last 16 months. There's no, there's no way around it. Um, and I think we're seeing this now out on the roadways with road rage. I think we're seeing it at the grocery store when, you know, people lose their temper and people are fighting over who's wearing a mask and who isn't wearing a mask. And now all of a sudden, like at the snap of a finger, we went from almost completely closed to almost completely open. And I think people are freaking out a little bit. Um, I don't think that's an excuse. You know, there's no excuse for this type of behavior, but I think it's a consideration. And then I also think there's sort of this mob mentality where, you know, if, if people are frothing and, and chanting and cursing, you know, and that's as far as it goes, that's fine. But then you always have, you know, we've always had, you know, the, the outliers and the knuckleheads who are going to use that environment to do something stupid. So I, I think that's part of it as well. I, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, you know, this kind of stuff used to go on all the time. I remember when I worked in Philadelphia, you know, it was, you know, it was just routine for fans to throw batteries and glass bottles on, onto the field at the, at the Cowboys, you know, like that was just what happened. Um, and then presumably we became more civilized as a, as a sports industry and as a society. And then everyone, to your point about me, Chris, everyone disappeared for, <laughs> for a year and a half. And now we're all back right on top of each other. And it's a little unnerving. I think a lot of people don't really know how to behave. And I think it's going to take some time to, to kind of regain that equilibrium, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Um, I think while there is no perfect solution, I do like the idea of more punishment than just being banned from the building for life. Like that is a largely toothless uh, penalty because, I mean, you don't have pictures of these band fans you know at the security desk like you know a guy can get back into the arena like it's that's right. that's kind of a toothless uh penalty i think it's got to be somewhere in between banning a fan and the charges leveled that kid in boston i mean that kid what's he got like a i saw like a felony he was charged with that that seems a tad extreme but i think it's got to come with some teeth whether it's you could be prosecuted and you have to do like 100 hours of community service you have to do uh, you have to pay a, a substantial fine. You've got to make it so, as drunk as some of these morons are, that when they go running out there, they throw something, their life may not be over, but there's going to come a real penalty with it. I don't know I don't know what that penalty should look like. I don't know if it even can be universal across, you know, with, with different states involved, different parts of the country, but, you know, I, you want to have it in the back of your mind and you probably should. I mean, the fan in Boston drives me the most crazy. I, I live in Boston. And you know all eyes are on you. Like, you know that because of Kyrie's uh, comments about racism and all the heat that's come in the previous days with some of the other incidents, and you still 
throw a bottle at him as he's walking off the floor. Now, people have said, well, Kyrie stepped on Lucky the Leprechaun. Oh, no, he stepped on Lucky. Like, oh, God, like that's like that warrants, you know, a physical penalty. I mean, it was dumb, but give me a break. You don't throw a bottle at a guy for something like that. That one bothers me maybe the most. But, Beck, I think like having, I don't know how you feel, but I think having some kind of substantial penalty that goes beyond just banning them for life might make an impact. There are other things, like, and the NBA's trying this, right, with more enhanced security. I think the guy that ran the court in D.C., there's no excuse for that. Like, that's a security lapse. Like, you got to have people visibly posted to see this guy coming and stop him from getting out onto the floor. But uh, if these guys are going to do stuff like this, the police, you know, prosecutors, they've got to be able to come down on them with something substantial that makes it hurt for them to do it. Can I just go on one quick uh, uh, minor trivial tangent here? But it's you idiots, all these people doing all this stuff, who have made it so that we can't even go to a sporting event or a concert and keep our freaking bottle caps for our bottles of water. Like, they sell you the $8 bottle of water, they take the cap off, and then you hand you the thing. If you've got too much to carry, you're splashing it everywhere. You can't put a, you can't, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's because of morons like this, because they're going to throw those caps. And now, as we've seen, if all else fails, they'll throw the freaking bottle. Um, listen, like Chris, it may sound harsh that the kids being charged with, was it really a felony? Whatever yeah, he's charged it, with. Yeah. They, they, listen, they threw the book at him. Look, if, if it requires, um, the fear of knowing that you will have, if it's, whether it's a criminal rap sheet or if it's just a misdemeanor or whatever, that this is going on your permanent record with law enforcement. If that's what it requires to scare people into not pulling crap like this, fine, do it all. Throw the book at them. Um, I, I don't know how viable that is as an NBA policy because this is a law enforcement matter, not an NBA arena security matter, but you work in conjunction with law enforcement. Obviously, there are cops at all these arenas. Whatever it takes to scare people into not doing stupid shit or saying stupid shit, especially really highly offensive stuff, I mean, that's it. But I would also go um, pull back one step, too, because... Berger, you you kind of alluded to this, the, the like the mob mentality that emerges. I'm not saying it's it's you know a slippery slope. I hate the slippery slope argument, but if it's okay for twenty thousand people to be chanting in unison, "Ref, you suck," or in the case of Trey Young, "Fuck Trey Young," and you're getting into that kind of of mob mentality and in a really visceral and um and 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 really uh, personal or offensive way. It does. It's, you're dehumanizing the referees or the players or whoever you're yelling at at that moment. And it is not that big of a leap to go from that to deciding it's okay to say something even worse or to maybe throw something or spit or whatever. So maybe what we need to start with first is, and the NBA has always had the fan code of conduct, and it's up there at every single game. It's broadcast. It's on the screen. It's on the back of season tickets. It's Maybe there needs to be a recommitment to that. And maybe we don't need refuse suck chants. I don't know how you stop 20,000 people from chanting anything. Um, I'm not the first to say this, but you know what? Booing works pretty well. There are other ways to to get on the opponent or the refs or whatever without getting that crass. I mean, you guys know me. I curse my, my ass off. I was just doing it three minutes ago on this podcast. But it's different when it's 20,000 people together doing it. There's something about that, especially with kids in the audience. Uh, again, I've cursed plenty in front of my daughter. She's heard it all. It's just, there's something about 18, 20,000 people doing that in unison that to me well, Beck, is, Beck, how has about, always been like, alarming. How about get, get creative? I mean, you yeah. know, fuck you, Trey Young is, is stupid. Like, it, it's not creative at all. Like, I was texting with actually somebody within the Knicks. I'm like, how about they chant, like, you're not Luca? Like, that's kind of catchy, and it might get into his Much head better. a little bit. Like, it might mess with him. And it's like I loved – I forget who was doing this in the playoffs when Carl Malone was at the free throw line. And we all know Malone goes beyond that 10 seconds that you required to – was it maybe in Seattle? I don't know where it was, but, like, the fans were counting the seconds that Malone was at the free throw line. And They yeah, started that, doing that to Giannis. Yeah, like, but that's good. Like, that's good use of fan yes. heckling. Like, that can get in your head and it's, if you're – And it's fine. Uh, and, it's, and it's about the game. And it's not stepping over any lines. I thought I thought the Knicks too, Howard. I thought the Knicks too. Like when those uh, the the nasty trans chance was Trey Young went up, they played the organ over it. Like so, there was a clear uh, message for that. But I mean, I, look, I I think there are little things the NBA can do. But overall, just 
Stop being jackass. No, and I, and I, like just... I agree. If I could just jump in, I agree with you guys. I, we don't want to lose like the, the natural, you know, sports environment that we all love, like the legitimate, like passion and, you know, resentment of the other team and derision directed toward the other team. And like, we don't want to lose, we don't want it to become a completely sanitized environment. It's not the op, right. It's, it's not, it's not the Met, you know, it's a basketball game, but you know, there's gotta be, you know, it's a, it's a bridge too far from, from normal fan reaction to some of the stuff we've seen lately. And um, I don't know, maybe, Maybe the penalty, like if you throw something at Kyrie Irving, you have to be Kyrie Irving's uh, personal assistant for two weeks and do whatever he wants you to do. Or maybe maybe you have to put your – whether you tear up your vaccination card and you put your damn mask back on, wise guy. Maybe that'll work. Wise guy. <laughs> I would say this about the guy in Boston. Like, take my word for it. Like, that guy does not represent Boston. His name was Cole, and he went to some, like, Tony <laughs> – prep school out in the suburbs like give me a break like that's not that is not he is not hard he is not tough and you could see him some of the video where the cops were arresting him looked like he was gonna cry like i mean is you know just just be embarrassed for that dude because that video is gonna live in infamy on social media uh forever attention all wrestling aficionados wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about a couple of basketball things here. Uh, let's go out to Los Angeles for a minute, where the Clippers somehow, some way, got back into the series. Howard, I was throwing, not throwing, I was backing a dump truck of dirt onto the Clippers after their 2 nothing series. Uh, if they blew it to, they lost the first two games at home of that series against Dallas. They go to Dallas and win both those games. Kawhi Leonard looks like the guy that won the finals MVP in 2019. Uh, Paul George, to his credit as well, stepped up. They showed the kind of mental toughness um, that, uh, that I hadn't expected from them at any point in time. Uh, this season. So I they're now back 2-2 even. Luka Doncic is banged up uh, for them. So they're back at home with a chance to take control of that series once again. The Lakers, bit of a different position. They're headed down to Phoenix for Game 5. Uh, no Anthony Davis for at least Game 5 with this groin injury. Uh, and they haven't played great in the in this season without Davis. 19-17 and 17 on the year without him. So Berger, I'll start with you. When you look at the two LA teams... Uh, which are you most optimistic about getting into the second round? I mean, I, I think that all hinges on on AD. Um, the Lakers are, as you alluded to, a completely different team with AD and without AD. Um, and if they are without him for an extended period of time, they're they're going to have they're going to have a rough go of it. Um, the the Mavs Clippers series ha- has been fascinating. It's it's been like two completely different series rolled up into one. Um, first two games versus the the second two. Um, I, I guess I would if I would have to guess, given that given that Luca is is banged up and obviously is not the same guy that he was in the first two games of the series, uh, and the Clippers kind of have some some momentum here. I would say I'd be more optimistic about about the Clippers, um, I, n- I never count LeBron out, but to ask him at this stage to carry that team without Anthony Davis, I, th- I think, you know, everyone, like, everyone is mortal. Everyone has their limits. I, I, to me, that would be, that would be limit, the limits for LeBron. Beck, let me keep it focused on the Clippers here for a minute with you. Like, are you sh- – Scale of one to ten, one being not at all surprised, ten being the most shocked you've ever been in your life. How surprised are you that we're here right now? That the Clippers, even that series with the Mavericks after that god awful start, the Clippers make me dizzy. Like they, they just they hurt my brain. I mean, Maddox, you and I have talked about the Clippers on this pod and on video and in various other uh, media platforms multiple times over the months, and you're always the one saying, I don't believe they're frauds. They flamed out in the bubble. I'm never believing again. And I've been kind of leaning toward the, listen, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, their first season together was really choppy because Paul George is coming back from shoulder surgeries and all that stuff, and the bubble was weird and blah, blah, blah. Like, we should, I like, to me, I was looking at them as a different, through a different lens for this postseason because they've been together for some time now. It's a little bit different of a team. They've got some other uh, pieces in there. Ty Lue is on the bench instead of Doc Rivers. Um, and then they go down to the 2-0 to the Mavs and look like crap doing it. And within five minutes of tip-off of game three, they're down by like 30 points or something. And I'm and yeah, I was, at, I was with you at that point. By that point, I was like, Mannix was right. Should never believe this team. They really are like, forget it. They're done. And here we are. I mean, look, let, let's be clear. Luca being limited is a huge, huge part of this. And it's not to say that the Clippers don't deserve credit for some tactical changes and for just kind of toughening up and rallying and Kawhi unleashing himself on Luca. All of that matters. But if Luca's not hurt, is, is this series practically over? Um, and it's the, it's the strange thing. And like, I'm glad that we have Ken on today to talk about, you know, the injuries a little bit later and and load management and everything that goes with it. Because if the Lakers lose in the first round, we're going to say it's largely because AD is out. Um, if the Lakers come back and win this series, we're still going to be talking about, well, what would have happened Would the Lakers have even gotten up in the first place, if not for Chris Paul's shoulder. And in the Clippers Mavs series, we're absolutely, if the Mavs lose, this is going to be talking about when they were up 2-0 and Luca was healthy. And so, you know, whether that's because of the, this weird season or not, 
I, I don't recall ever having this many crucial series where, in one case, both sides, both the Suns and Lakers, this whole thing could be tipping based on on health. Um, that's that's strange, but it's strange also that we have Lakers Suns in the first place because, of course, the Lakers shouldn't be a seventh seed. Uh, but listen, all credit to the Clippers. Um, they have done a phenomenal job rallying back. Even if Luka is healthy, I think the Clippers have found some things that work and are showing themselves to be maybe closer to the team that I thought they were um, a couple weeks ago and a year ago. You know, Berger, when you look at the Lakers, you know, LeBron has had to do some superhuman things in his career. He's always been up for the challenge. I mean, I I hesitate constantly to, to discount LeBron's chance of doing something, but this seems like a mountainous task, man. Like, not only is Davis out, but Andre Drummond has been soundly outplayed by DeAndre Ayton in this series. Uh, Marcus Saul was good in Game Four, but uh, I don't know if you can count on Marcus Saul to be great for the next three games of this series. I mean, is this going to have to be LeBron just taking over and doing something that we've seen him do in years past, or is I mean, is there more to it in your mind? Like, is there is it Kyle Kuzma having to do some more? Is it Dennis Schroeder having to have a monster game? Is it all of the above? I mean, what? How do the Lakers get back into this? Well, yeah, Chris. I mean, the thing we have to remember about LeBron, um, whether it's now at this stage of his career, or five years ago, or ten years ago, like his his greatest strength has always been his his ability to make the people around him better. And he's sometimes he's been criticized for that. Sometimes he's been criticized for not being assertive enough and looking for his teammates. But that that is LeBron in a nutshell. He he is someone who, yeah, he's he knows he has to get his own, but he knows that in order to get over the mountaintop, he's got to get help and he's got to facilitate for others. And if he doesn't have Anthony Davis, um, the options for him to facilitate are severely limited, um, especially with the way this, this Laker team is put together. So um, it, it would be a mountainous task for him if they're, out, if they're without AD for more than, for more than this next game. Um, again, you can't count them out. Um, but you also have to remember, you know, it's not like, and we can get into the load management versus rest and injury management and all this other stuff, but um, LeBron wasn't like, sitting out because he was resting and, and adding to his, to his physical prowess. He was sitting out because he was injured. Those are two very different things. You know, it wasn't like, you know, LeBron was, you know, like it, it's not like those few years ago, you know, when he went to Miami for a couple of weeks to get himself right, he wasn't getting himself right. He was, he was hurt. So that, that's something to consider too. And, and that, that's a lot to catch up to in the intensity of the playoffs and, and the kind of load that, that his body's, you know, going to be under. It's going to be, going to be fun to watch these next couple of days, see both these LA teams and how they perform in the uh, rest of the, uh, these post this postseason Cause uh, a lot of the line for both these teams uh, this year, I want to talk a little bit about the off season coming in Boston. Um, you know, the, the Celtics, it's been disappointing this year. No question about it. Is it so disappointing that it requires a significant overhaul of this roster? I mean, there are going to be some people calling for a trade of one of the top guys. There have been people calling for the head of Brad Stevens over the course of this year. Uh, Berger, I'll start with you. With When it comes to the Celtics, like, is this kind of one of those years you say, look, it's been an ugly year. COVID issues affected them as much as anybody else. You've still got a team that went to the conference finals last year that had been to three of the last four conference finals. Uh, so they're still really good. Or do you think this team needs something substantive to happen uh, over the off season? Yeah, no, I, I lean toward the, the latter um, or the, the former. Um, I, I think, you know, Danny Ainge is obviously a guy who, who's, who's big on big splash moves and, um, but he's also not someone to panic. And I think if you look at this past season, it was as weird as it gets in terms of the schedule, in terms of the quick ramp up to the season, in terms of the COVID, you know, postponements and players missing games because of COVID. They had their share of injuries. They don't have Jalen Brown in this series. They went up against a juggernaut that I don't think anyone in the East is going to be able to handle. 
Um, so I, you know, I think if you look at it, yeah, it's, it's nice to think, yeah, just blow it up and start over again. But, um, my inclination and and I think Danny Ainge's inclination will be to kind of chalk it up to all of those factors and say, listen, what do we need to do around the edges of this team to get better? You know, can we make, can, can we improve the bench? Can we get another shooter? Can we, can we get better defensively? Can you know, and, and run it back again because you have talent on this team and, and, you know, a big piece of it in, in Jalen Brown is missing in this series. Yeah. And Beck, I, I tend to agree with Berger there because you saw some things at the end of this year that gave you hope that some of the young, by the way, he just agreed with me. I do. It's, it's rarity. You know, you know, I agree with you on your Celtics take and that my eating habits suck. Those are the two things that, um, we can concur on Beck. the um, what I saw from some of these young guys this year after being kind of no shows in the first half, you start to see some, some growth there. I mean, Romeo Langford who's basically been on a milk carton for the first year and a half of his time in Boston. Uh, had some, some moments in the second half of the season, even in the playoffs, uh, Peyton, uh, Peyton Pritchard was consistent for this team uh, throughout his first season with the Celtics, even Aaron Neesmith, who got off to a slow start, didn't get into the rotation until late. He was pretty good in the final month of the season and showed that he can be an NBA three-point shooter. And, and that's going to be a valuable commodity for this team next year. I do think that the Celtics need to at least monitor what's going on in Washington because if you can make a Jalen Brown, Bradley Beal swap, that's something you at least have to consider. Bradley Beal is in that kind of window that Jason Tatum is in still, uh, only going to be 28 years old this year. We all know the relationship that Beal has with Tatum. So I definitely keep my eye on what's going on there. But beyond that, I don't see any need to shake things up. I do think you need a veteran presence. Like, they lost something when Gordon Hayward left. They lost something a couple of years before that when Al Horford left. They've been losing veterans and not replacing them with veterans. So you've got to add pieces like that into the mix. But if they can do that with what's left of their trade exception, with some of their mid-level exceptions... I think those are the type of moves Boston should be focused on, not you know breaking up the core and and trying to do you know something something different. It's interesting if we go back, whatever it's been five, six years, seven years. There was a period of time there where you know if it came to the draft and they had the draft misfires, but it came to the draft, they nailed it on Jalen Brown, they nailed it on Jason Tatum. Came to free agency when they had cap room. They got Al Horford, the first guy to go to Boston, a high-profile free agent in forever. They got Gordon Hayward. And then they, they made the trade for Kyrie, didn't work out, but and they nailed it when they acquired Isaiah Thomas. Like There's a lot of things that went right for them to overachieve during a, a, a span of years there. And now it's just kind of flipping the other way, right? Now it seems like, oh, they can't do anything right. And guys have left. Gordon Hayward left. Terry Rozier left. And, you know, uh, Kyrie walked away and they they... they plug in with Kemba Walker. Um, Harford walked away. So like, where where are they now? Like, does anybody really like think of it this way for all of of the, the hand wringing among Celtics fans, which is understandable. I don't think anybody would say like, like, like there's any problem with Jason Tatum, right? No, Tatum's a franchise star, potential MVP. I don't think anybody would say there's a problem with Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart or, you know, Kemba Walker for all his knee troubles. Like those are that you have four really good players, good to great players there. The problem is not who they have that are the core of their team, unless there's some mystery chemistry issue, personality issue, something that we're not aware of yet. It's all about the drop off from those guys to the rest of the roster. It's all about can you, with the limits that you have in in cap room and assets to deal, can you find a way to reshuffle the pieces a little bit? But I don't want to break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in today's NBA when having guys who can play uh, two ways at the wing, guard multiple positions, score in a variety of ways, and you've got two of them. I'm not saying they're at the same level, but I don't want to break those two guys up. I did a story about Beal this week and about his future, and I had uh, one person I talked to, I can't remember if it was a scout or executive, one person when I was saying, well, give me some some thoughts on where Beal could go if, if it's time to trade him. And somebody mentioned the Beal for Brown swap. I mentioned that to the next person I talked to, and they're like, Hell no, would I do like if I'm the Celtics, would I ever do that? Like, I want Jalen Brown's size and versatility and his defensive prowess as a complimentary guy next to Jason Tatum over Bradley Beal's scoring. And, and granted, ball handling too. And Bradley Beal's become a very good playmaker too. Um, but 
like I, I don't know that you want to break up those two guys. And if you're not, all right, well then what? Is is Kemba Walker is not really a, a major, you know, a serious tradable commodity because of age and miles and the knee. Marcus Smart's a really nice player that a lot of teams would love to have, but how much are you getting back for him? And how much are you losing in terms of just the 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 personality and defensive grit of your team? We saw what they were without him at, for long stretches this season. Um, they'd miss him. So I like. I wish I like the great the great podcast uh, uh, you know tack here would be I've got the plan to solve the Celtics or they've got to do this Danny's got to do this honestly I think they're kind of hemmed in I think the most difficult thing about this and you can you can say this is an indictment of of what the front office has done or not done the last couple of years because of it but I think to a large extent they're kind of locked into this group and I don't like I don't know what the the, the puzzle piece that's that's missing or that you or that you you pull out of this is to to reform it but i think they're in a really tough spot yeah burger specifically with kemba walker and you're it's kind of in your wheelhouse a little bit i mean i think if, this, if you're the celtics you're you got to be terrified of those knee injuries like this is going back to what february of 2020 when he first started dealing with the knee problems they were present in the bubble which was what four or five months after you know the season it stopped and you know he had all this time to presumably recover and they tried to load manage him this year didn't play him in back to backs yet here we are with Kemba Walker dealing with a knee injury so I mean he is to Beck's point he is untradeable and I'm starting to wonder you know just can you rely on him at this point moving forward I mean I agree Beck you need to have Walker as your third scorer but. I, you know, after two years of this, I'm not sure you can you can count on them. Yeah, no, I mean it's a fair point. I mean the the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, in terms of his injury history, um, and what we've had is two, you know, bizarre seasons in a row. And I think if you want to take the long view, you know, he's still he's still a young player. Um, if you want to take the long view and say let let's see what we can do with him if we have a more normal off season. Uh, than we've had the past two years. And if we have a more normal schedule than we've had the past two years, um, can we load manage him within that more normal framework and get a better result? Um, You know, this is more of like jumping off onto a more league wide topic, but you know, the, the NBA put out some numbers through 50 games this season that injuries, in fact, despite appearances were not down. Um, serious injuries were not down. Injuries to starting players were not down this season compared to the past five to 10 years. But remember, like load management is a relatively new thing. The purpose of it is to prevent players from getting hurt. So it's not news that injuries are not down. It's news that injury, or it's not news that injuries are not up. It's news that injuries are not down. If load management works, injuries should be down. Right. So I I think, you know, you kind of wipe the slate clean after this weird season that that everyone's had and see if you can get Kemba a normal offseason, a normal ramp up and then, you know, a more normal um, load management program for this coming season. See if that helps. Um, If it doesn't, you might you might be stuck. So good stuff from Ken. There's a lot more of that, by the way, uh, if you subscribe to Ken's newsletter, the first edition of which was about, uh, and this was the headline, changes coming to NBA rest rules. And Ken, like you drilled down on this quite a bit about the balance that teams have or, or the, the fine line they have to walk, playing guys versus resting them, trying to prevent injuries. And Fans, I think, still don't get it. A lot of us in the media, frankly, still don't don't get it. And people fall on one of two sides on this. They either mock load management as these guys are a bunch of wimps and, you know, back in the 90s, this, that, whatever. Why didn't guys need to sit back then? Um, and so I think, like, maybe we don't understand it that well. I think people are still grappling with it. I think people in the league are still trying to figure out what the, the best balance here is. And we've seen the league has cut down um, number of back-to-backs and all these other measures trying to, to look out for player health. So um, in your first newsletter, and, and feel free to plug away too on how people can subscribe to, to the newsletter, um, in your first edition here, you're tackling this issue. What was the most striking thing or what's the one thing that you think people most need to understand a- about this trend? Well, you know, it's, as, you, as you pointed out, it, it, it's not a simple 
solution. There is no secret sauce. There is no, every, every team pays performance experts and strength and conditioning coaches and other people who have spent their life helping people take care of their bodies. Um, and they all have their own ideas about how this should be done. And that's how it should be. Um, this is not a, a democracy. It's a, it's a competitive sports league and everyone's trying to get their own competitive advantage. Um, and, and, you know, to a man, every, every coach and every member of a coaching staff that I, that I talk to, um, they appreciate the value of this. They understand, listen, these players are assets to us. They are no good to us if they are injured. So we have to do everything in our power to keep them healthy. Um, the point I was alluding to earlier is that I think once we get past COVID and into a more normal a normal ramp up to a regular season, meaning the players have a, a, a typical four-month offseason if you're a non-playoff team, and you have the ability to repair your body and recover. You have the ability to build back up again, and then you have a time frame where you're going to ramp up your intensity level, and then you have the ability to take days as you need them and as the data shows that you need a break. Um, but ultimately for this to work and for it to work for the NBA as a business, it has to show results. And like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be an accomplishment if the injury rate is just not any higher than it, than it was before. It has to be lower. Otherwise, why are the players sitting out? And so that's the dilemma that I think every team is, is wrestling with the league office is wrestling with the players association is trying to figure out how to be as cooperative as it can um, to try to make sure that this happens. And that the end result is that the players are healthier and more available End result can't be that the NBA gets a reputation as a league where the players are too soft to play. And I spent, you know, $900 to bring my family of four to, a, to a game and three of the players I wanted to see didn't play. Um, so I, I think that's important. And I think it's also important, like, there has to be a better way to distinguish between, like, what's the difference between rest and injury management? And I think there's an opportunity there for teams to kind of play with, play fast boost with the rules. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, um, you know, sat out that game against the Sixers and the second, second night of a back-to-back after they had a postponement against the Timberwolves. And the Nets were not in violation of the rules because technically it was injury management because he had a previous injury. Well, everybody has a previous injury, right? Including the three people on this podcast. So how do you manage those, <laughs> how do you manage those things and how do you do it in a way that it serves not only – the players and their health and protects the enormous investment that these teams make in these players, but also serves the broadcast partners that spend billions of dollars to televise these games. And the average fan, you know, other than that idiot in Boston who threw the water bottle, uh, who spends good money to go and see players play, not see players on the bench sipping a smoothie. It's good stuff, Berger. So people can subscribe where? Give me your, uh, give me the info for that. So probably the easiest way. So we don't have a website. I figured I, I, I decided the last thing ever the world needs is another website. So this is strictly an email newsletter. You sign up if you're interested in the content. If you like the work that I'm doing, you sign up and I send it straight to your inbox. And then you have access. You will have access to a, a private membership site where you, when you sign up, you'll not only get the most current newsletter, but all of the previous ones. And you'll be able to read through kind of like a blog. So Easiest way to do that is just to, to hit my Twitter page at KBerg NBA, K-B-E-R-G NBA. And the link is in the bio where you can sign up. And we have a limited number of founding subscriptions available for 70% off. You can lock that price in for life. It's less than a cup of coffee. Um, and if, you don't, if you're not on Twitter, you don't like Twitter, I empathize. Um, just email me, ken at hoop.science, and I'll get you set up. Good stuff, man. Well, I, I'm hoping you'll be more active on Twitter because nothing makes me happier than just replying to your tweets uh, with something snarky. Because I, I concur. I, it makes me very happy as well. <laughs> Good to have you back, man. And uh, thanks for taking some time to join us on the show. 
You got it. Appreciate it, guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Ken. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.